When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. From Learfield, this is the Carolina Insider. Here's your host, Jones Angel. It is our maiden voyage on the Carolina Insider. I'm Jones Angel across the desk here in the Chapel Hill Carolina Insider World Headquarters is Adam Lucas. Adam, what's up? I feel like the only way to begin this podcast was on a rainy, rain delay type of week. <laughs> that was really <laughs> perfect. That's how we got the idea. We were sitting that's around right. today and like, it's raining. We should do something. What about a podcast, <laughs> Jones? So this, this is going to be fun, right? I don't, we don't really know what we're doing. You told me it was. Yeah. So this is, this, this is, this is what we're going to do. We're going to be here twice a week. Uh, it'll be during football season. We are pretty scheduled. We're going to be with you uh, on Tuesdays. And then another show will be available on Friday. Uh, the goal, of course, of the Tuesday show is we'll look back. The Friday show will look forward. We also want to have uh, some cool guests, and we already have a great one lined up uh, for our next show. Um, but we want to have cool guests. We want to have fun. We want to answer some of your questions. We're going to talk about the Tar Heels. Um, all of that with really no no boundaries, no no time limits, no uh, nothing to hold us, but you're unchained, Adam. Doesn't it feel good to be free? Finally. <laughs> I was thinking about the guests on the way over here, and I was thinking if it's someone who I can't come – because I was thinking about our guests for the next show and sure, how awesome yeah. that was going to be. And, uh, and I was thinking if it was a guest and I was having trouble coming up with questions or I wasn't excited about talking to he or she, yeah. then we shouldn't have that person mm-hmm. on. Because if we're not excited about talking to them, then nobody wants to listen to that junk. So I, I think the guests are going to be people that we're excited about talking to. Yeah, we're shooting for the stars on the guest. We're yeah. going as high as possible on our guests. Yeah. 
Yeah, so uh, next uh, next show we really do have a great guest. Uh, looking forward to it. Uh, we're not going to tell you who it is yet, but uh, it's going to be really fun, I think, and, and some cool some cool stuff to talk about. But we have a lot to talk about today, um, and we'll start with this weekend, Keenan Stadium, 56-28, Carolina over James Madison, and it was like two, it was like two games, right? I mean, the first quarter was this was a oh no type of game where James Madison had 222 yards of offense and led 21 to 14 after after a quarter and then after that Carolina outscored him 42 to 7 James Madison I think it was 273 yards of offense from that point moving forward and so it's hard to know how to feel about this game I think I think if you take the final three quarters you think wow okay that's pretty good but that first quarter you, you can't eliminate it completely and it is that that was a little concerning that first 15 minutes and and Larry Fedora said so himself well, I think anytime you play somebody like a James Madison, and no offense to them, I think they're going to do oh, I, they're going to do very well. I think they're one of the best FCS teams out there. I really do, and, and I think there is a big difference between playing an FCS team that is absolutely no good, and then you, everybody can rattle off the the five or ten that are good. And I think James Madison is in in that group. I think it is. If you're going to play an FCS team, I say play a team like them because they're pretty good. There's only one thing that can't happen though. You can't lose. No. Yeah. As right. long as, as long as that doesn't happen, in seven days, no one's going to remember what happened in that game anyway because right. it's going to pale in significance to everything else. Yeah. So, I was reading Lee Pace today, Jones. Always, as, a, as wise I often Always a wise thing to do. Yeah. His extra points on uh, – on you can either read them on Sunday or on Monday on GoHeels.com. Really, you can read them any day, but it comes out Sunday night. A lot of people read them Monday. That's always the best way to look back at the game. He had this quote from Gene Chiswick. Gene Chiswick said, I don't like looking at mediocrity, what we're putting on the field now. He's talking about defensively. I'm not accepting any of this mediocre defense. Well, here's the thing about Carolina football right now. I believe Gene Chiswick. Yeah. I think he is going to do the best of his ability with what he has to work with to get them to play to the very best they can. And I think he'll, he'll fix it the best way that he knows how. You know, it's really odd. So we speak with the coordinators on Thursdays for the radio broadcast. And Lee's in those in those meetings, of course. And I actually think that quote's from Thursday. And it's interesting because last year in those coordinator meetings, like every time when we were done talking to Gene Chizik, I was like, man, what a just a happy, what a happy guy. Like, I mean, every meeting, you know, he was like, oh, you know, I'm so proud of the guy's effort, and yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, they're doing this, and you know, we're really making some progress, and we got, we got to fix some things, but, but, and so it was always a very positive, just a positive feel. But I tell you what, man, this past Thursday, before the JMU game, he was as fired up about the defense as I can remember him being. Just, I mean, he, and, and it comes out in that quote, he was just, he was not happy with the way his defense had played so far. And he was mad about the fact, the mediocrity, at, using his word, and just about the fact that he felt like, that he said, hey guys, you have a choice. You you have a choice. You can be a five win team, or you can be a ten win team, and it's up to you. And I'm speaking as Gene Chizik here, but I, it's just a totally different feel with him this year. It's so clear that he expects a lot more in year two than he did in year one. Let's I mean, it's it's clear, and it's angering him. It seems like almost that that he's not seeing what he wants to see just yet. That's what I was going to say. Do you think it's because the standards are higher? Yes. Or is it because it's just not as good as it was last year? I think the standards are higher. I, I think in year one, he was he was happy that, hey, the guys were trying hard, that they were understanding what he was saying, that they were listening, that they were buying in, all those things. I think in year two, he expects that all, all that to be done. 
He he. That's now uh, an that's that's expected from everybody all the time, and he wants to be able to add on to it. At least that's the feel I get. And he is. I mean, I'm telling you, it's a different feeling there with him right now. It's interesting. Do you think? The- but I totally agree with you. Gene Chizik could tell me that it was a thousand degrees outside in the middle of January, and I'd believe him. I mean, he is, <laughs> dude. I mean, he is. You can tell why he's a good coach. You just can. Yeah. You can tell from talking to him how good he is. Do you think the the quantity? and quality of personnel is there for him to do his thing with right now? Man, I don't know. What do you think? I mean, the in- because some guys are hurt or well, not I'm gonna available. Tell you, or- those injuries are – the injuries on the – Carolina can't afford too many more on the D-line. They just can't. I mean, at one point last week, so Nas Jones couldn't play. Jalen Dalton uh, was sick on the sideline. He had gotten sick and missed – I think it was most like the second quarter. Um, and so, all of a sudden, you're looking down at the D-tackles, and you've got – Jeremiah Clark, who's who's playing well, Robert Dinkins, who has played, and Aaron Crawford, redshirt freshman who was hurt. And then after that, that that was it. That and then you had Marlon Dunlap, who has not played yet, who had a great camp, but they don't. I mean, hadn't played yet. I don't think they necessarily want to throw him out there yet. And that was it as far as scholarship D tackles. And that was the the stronger of the two positions on the D line depth wise coming into the year. They just they can't handle many more injuries there. And still with no Drennan. And Tamon Fox being injured, we don't know how long that's going to be. Um, man, I'm telling you, they they just they can't take another hit or two on that D line, or it's going to be tough. Just to, I mean, just numbers wise, it's going to be tough. And you'd like to think that no matter who you have, you're not going to get pushed around by James Madison. You know what's interesting is that you said it that way because Brian Simmons did the game uh, did the game on Saturday, and uh, so we've got Brian. And then uh, William Henderson are doing the games with us this year. And they've both been uh, very solid. First time they've done radio. Uh, Brian's done two games. William's done one so far. And that's what Brian said. He said, yeah, I kind of after the first couple of possessions, I said, hey, Brian, you know, defensively, just what in your mind is the problem here? And the, after the – he said, well, that first possession, he said, I think William and Mary is just pushing them off the ball. I mean, he said this on the air. He said, I just think William and Mary's – or, excuse me, James Madison was, was pushing them off the ball. Um which is, yeah, I mean, you don't want to see that. And I, I think that that got better, as Larry Fedora said. And we're going to play our conversation with Larry Fedora on the radio network here in just a second. But even Coach Fedora kind of referenced his, his word was the attitude was not right the last couple, the first couple of possessions defensively. I like Brian Simmons because he has that attitude. Like, we remember him as this awesome oh. football player for Carolina yeah. who just did everything. Yeah. And you can tell he kind of – you know, when we we would see him periodically since then in his role in playing in the NFL and then scouting and yep. all the other things he did. But then he still kind of sounds like he has it in the booth, so it ticks him off when things aren't <laughs> done to his level. But his level is like Brian Simmons' level, yeah. which is high. Well, I tell you what, he – and I, it's so interesting because he, he sees the play for – even offensively, and he's a defensive guy, but obviously he knows football. I mean, even on, on both the long play to Switzer and the long play to Mac Collins – you kind of hear him just kind of quiet. He's like, oh, he's got Hollins. Like, I mean, he just – somehow he sees it before it's even happening. He's like, oh, he's got Hollins open. <laughs> and there it is. Oh, yeah. Okay, 71-yard bomb. <laughs> Apparently, Mac Hollins does that also. Yeah, did you see that on Switzer's touchdown? Well, and then th- that somewhere I saw on a video on the internet somewhere that they had had that play called earlier, but Mac Hollins came to the line going, touchdown, touchdown. <laughs> and so Trubisky had to check out of it because Mac <laughs> Hollins told everyone what was going to happen. So the I, ultimate early call. Yeah, I like the enthusiasm, but let's try to wait for the reveal until maybe like the ball's in the air. If you haven't seen, there is, and I didn't, I didn't notice it while it was happening. I've seen a, I think a screenshot. I don't think it was a photo. I think it was a screenshot of the the a video replay. 
where on that flea flicker, Mac Hollins throws up the touchdown. I mean, he must have thrown it up when Hood was like tossing the ball back to Trubisky. I mean, it was still, it was still in doubt at that point what was going to happen, except for to Mac Hollins. Apparently, even Lane Kiffin was like, "That's kind of early to be given the <laughs> touchdown sign, Mac Hollins." I do think, and that play has worked a couple times. I mean, in yeah. Larry Fedora's tenure, and yeah, James Madison was playing at safeties way up and really stopping the run, and it was a big play. It was good to see Carolina hit a few big plays. It needed to. Well, you and Brian Simmons and Lee Paste were talking on the pregame show as I was driving into beautiful Keenan Stadium. about, And it was hard to believe that the longest pass play up to that point was 28 yards. Yeah, 28 yards. That just that That's a hard number to believe for so many different reasons. The personnel that's available, the offense that's being run, the odds that you're probably going to break a tackle somewhere and go yep. for 35 at some point. But that certainly was not a problem on Saturday. No, they have four – Four completions of 30 yards or more, including two of 70 yards or more, both those touchdowns. I tell you what, let's let's let you listen to our conversation with Larry Fedora. This was after the uh, James Madison game. When we're done with this, we're going to come back and we're going to talk about uh, Mitch Trubisky. He played well. That's my expert analysis of Mitch Trubisky from that game. All right, so here's uh, here's Larry Fedora after the game. Well, we're uh, we're always happy to get a win, no matter how we get it. We're 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 happy. I'm proud of the guys' effort. There's a lot of things that we got to get corrected, but uh, I'm I'm just happy to get the win. Defensively, coach, 222 yards allowed in the first quarter. After that, JMU had 273 the rest of the game. But what did you guys do better as that game went along? Uh, you know, it it, it really wasn't until about we had the sack from. Uh, Dominique Ross, Ross yeah. you know, and, and it kind of lit him up. I, I don't know. It just seemed like we were in a little daze uh, early on, and, and uh, that was disappointing because that's, that's what we talked about guarding against, the way we prepared through the week and, and what we were what our expectation level was. Mitch Trubisky, Coach, I mean, just incredible numbers today, 24 of 27, 432 yards, three touchdowns. He completed his last 18 passes. That's a Carolina single-game record. He's now thrown the ball 156 consecutive times without an interception. That is also a Carolina record. Uh, boy, it seems like Mitch is really settled in right now to what he's doing. Yeah, he's you know, he's just like we said, he's, he's getting better and better each week. Uh, every rep that he gets, he's feeling more comfortable. Uh, he's, he's really doing a great job of taking care of the football, and he's just uh, he's doing a really a good job of managing the offense. Hey, Coach, just from the field level defensively, what did you feel like was the, the one thing that was killing you the most? You know what? Just the energy level. That, that was the, the biggest thing to me is I just didn't feel like we had the energy level that we needed. And uh, anytime you feel that negative energy, I mean, bad things usually happen. And, and, and we, you know, we had a couple of guys defensively, uh, Des Lawrence and, and uh, Dominic Green, who were trying to keep, get everybody going and get them positive. But we got to, you know, we got to have more guys step up in those situations. Right. Coach, uh, you were able to play a ton of young guys, and as especially as this game went along, and I know that was important for you to try to get some of those young rookies on the field. Yeah, it really was. I mean, uh, we wanted to get as many of those guys in the game as possible. I'm glad that we were able to, and uh, unfortunately weren't able to get them in there earlier. You know, offensively, I don't think that we played. You know, the young guys that played got to get any real snaps because uh, just the way the game went. Two more things before we let you go, Coach. Uh, your longest pass before today as a team was just 28 yards. But, man, that was a big part of, of your offense today, the 75-yarder to Switzer, a 71-yarder to Mac Hollins as well. And, well, that explosive offense was showing through. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, we knew they, they were playing their safeties low. They were going to fit in on the run. They were, they were planning on stopping the run with the quarters coverage that they were running. And so we felt like we could get behind them in some situations. And when we did, our guys hit them. They did a nice job with it.
Last thing, what was your reaction to Ryan Switzer's uh, fake out on the uh, on the punt where he faked the uh, fair catch? Uh, we don't need to be doing that. <laughs> that that's my reaction. I mean, uh, you know, because all of our guys are pulling off their blocks because of the situation. So, you know, I mean, uh, he needs to do a better job of communicating with our guys if he's going to do something like that. Coach, congratulations on the win. Thank you, as always, for your time, and I look forward to talking with you this week. Okay. Yep. Thank you, Coach. guys. Appreciate it. All right, so that was Larry Fedora after the James Madison win. And, yeah, Adam, we talked about it with Coach Fedora. I, to me, the biggest thing coming out of that game with James Madison, other than the defense having trouble early and then, and then recovering, was Mitch Trubisky because, man, whoa, 24-27, 432 yards, three touchdowns, no picks. Um, God, he looks totally different than he did in the first week. He just – the word comfortable keeps being used, but I think that's the most apt word to use. Well, you and I talked about this after the game on Saturday, which really we should just record that call and that should yeah. be the podcast. Yeah, really. If Mitch Trubisky had been even 50% as good against Georgia as he was against James Madison, we'd be sitting here at 3-0 and and Carolina would be ranked about 15th and yeah. people would think everything was fantastic. Yeah. But unfortunately, no matter how awesome you were coming in on third down to throw a couple first down passes last year, it's just different playing a whole game and yep. a defense game planning for you and what you can and most importantly cannot do. And he looked like a guy starting his first game against Georgia. And against James Madison, he looked like a guy who started a million games. Yeah. So he's probably not that good. But he's not it's as hard. bad yeah, he's not hard. as bad as he was against Georgia. Yeah. And so if he's somewhere in between there, I think that's good enough for Carolina to, to do the things they want to do this year. I tell you, his one thing that really stands out to me just in watching him play, his arm is really strong. He can really throw it. I mean, it does, and, and he's he's as he's pretty darn accurate too. I mean, but his arm strength, he can make every throw. I mean, he really can. He can throw it from one sideline to – even in that Georgia game, you saw that, even the game where he didn't play as well, and he said it afterwards. I mean, he was really – I talked to him uh, in the locker room afterwards, and he was frustrated. I mean, he was frustrated with himself after that game. Well, and he clearly trusts it. Like, not only can yeah. he throw it, he believes he can, and also fit it in a very small space, yeah. in, a, in a small window with lots of defenders standing around. He thinks he can throw it in there. More often than not, he can. I liked what he said with you guys after the game about – how he had learned from his mistakes. Mm -hmm. I think you want a guy starting his third college game to say that. You, yep. you don't want him to say, well, I mean, I knew it all, but I just did it wrong. He knows that he didn't do everything correctly, and he's taken steps to fix it. And he, Boy, he looks a lot better. I'll be interested in it, how much he runs this year. I still think that's important, too. I think it's just important in what Carolina does is that the quarterback can run some. And he did. you saw it in the Illinois game more than the other two. Um but also, yeah, they've just got to be careful with them. I mean, Nathan Elliott is is fine. I mean, Nathan Elliott can get you through a game. Um, but I don't think you want to lose Mr. Trubisky right now for for the season. I mean, clearly, you don't you don't want him taking some kind of crazy hit. I think he got a nice glimpse into how important he is. One of the few times he did run it against James Madison, and I don't think it was intentional. But one of the Dukes kind of fell on him as yeah. he tried to slide down. And we've seen Larry Fedora get somewhat angry this year. He's been hot this year, yeah. I think he was madder at that point than at any other point this year. He ran out to the hash marks, and he wanted a flag because Carolina can't yep. lose Mitch Trubisky, and it was pretty evident that Larry Fedora was well aware of that. Between Trubisky and Nathan Elliott, only four incompletions on Saturday. That's pretty crazy. I mean, yeah. uh, Trubisky had 18 in a row to close the game. That's single-game Carolina record. And I think the best thing he's done, and I'm sure – 
I'm going to knock on wood here, but I'm sure since it's been talked about a lot since the game, he's thrown 156 straight passes with no picks. That's pretty good. Well, and it wasn't like he found one guy in the James Madison game and just kept beating him. Right, and beating yeah. 12, 12, 12 guys different guys caught yeah. a pass, and what, like six had two or more. Yeah. So he's just throwing it all over the place, and that, I think that tells you he's seeing the field. So he's looking for He's seeing everybody. He's making the right throws and the right progressions. All right, we talked with, uh, we talked with Mitch after the game on Saturday on the network. want to let you listen to that. We're going we're gonna to let you listen to that. I want to mention one thing about that interview after you hear it. And uh, then we got some other stuff to talk about. All right, here's Mr. Trubisky after the game. Just felt great out there today. Um, O-line did a great job all day. Of receivers made plays. Running backs ran the ball well. And it was just great to be back in Keene Stadium. And, uh, I mean, that's how we want to play at home on off and offense. Definitely is fun to just get out there, spread the ball around. And it was a great day. Mitch, uh, we talked in the locker room after the Georgia game, and, and you were pretty bummed out. You just said you yeah. felt like you had left some throws on the field, hadn't played the way you wanted. Yeah, what, what changed between that day and now these last couple of games? I think just being more consistent, um, learning from from my mistakes in the past two games and just continuing to build and get better each week. And most importantly, just going out there and getting the win. That's the most important thing. And uh, just, just doing my job, not trying to do too much, uh, and just do my assignment and then lead the guys out there. That's all I was trying to do today. I know you guys have not had as many explosive plays in the pass game as you would like leading up to today, but, man, it felt like that was pretty important today with a couple of deep balls. Yeah, definitely. We definitely want to connect it on, on the ones where we got behind them and the receivers made great grabs. Uh, Switz, Bug, Mac, Pro, all those guys out there, they were getting behind the defense, and uh, we were making them play. And thanks to O-line, I had, I had all day back there to just find my guys. And, like I said, they made great catches. Mitch, uh, the eight touchdowns or the eight possessions that you were out there as the quarterback, you guys scored eight touchdowns. Can you do any better than that? I'm not sure it gets much better than that, does it? <laughs> I mean, that's that's the end result we want. But in between there, we still made a lot of mistakes that uh, that we got to look at and film and we're going to improve on. But uh, that's definitely what you want to do as an offense, just go down there and fish in the end zone every time. So I think the coaches are going to be happy with that. But uh, we definitely got to look at some of the little things we got to correct for next week when, uh, when we've got Pitt coming in here. Hey, Mitch, this is Brian Simmons up here with Jones. I had a question for you. Um, you you've done an excellent job of taking care of the football, but when you watch tape of the first two games, what is the one thing you feel like you need to do a lot better? Uh, definitely just being more consistent, uh, pulling the ball down and running, and then just continue to be disciplined with my eyes and footwork in the pocket, just staying in the pocket when I when I should, and then when I have to make plays, make plays with my feet. But if I just keep calm feet, keep my eyes downfield, and stay within the offense, uh, I'm going to be all right. So if I, just, I just need to keep improving week to week and get some wins. Okay. Mitch, last thing before we let you go, you got Pitt coming in here next week. I know you're going to enjoy this one the rest of the night, but getting into conference play, what, what becomes important now for you guys moving forward? Definitely. Just being 1-0 each week, it's, it's ACC conference play, so it's, it's, it's just that much more bigger. It should be more intense practice this week, and uh, just got to do a great job preparing. Uh, see what Pitt gives us and just come out there and play hard and defend uh, defend Keene Stadium, defend the Tar Pit. Mitch, man, congratulations. Just a terrific day. 24-27, 432 through the air. Uh, by the way, that's the third highest single game Carolina total in passing yards uh, in history. Also the fourth highest total offensive total in a single game. Uh, only one guy's in front of you. Marquise Williams had the other three. So congratulations on the great day, and I look forward to seeing you play next week. Thank Definitely. you so much. Congrats. Appreciate having me. Congrats, Mitch. Keep take care of the football, young fellow. Yes, sir. Thank you. <laughs> All right, Adam, one more thing about that, and then we can move on. And I think this is what you were talking about when you mentioned this earlier.
But I kind of jokingly asked him in that interview, oh, you're out there for eight possessions, eight touchdowns. Does it get any better than that? And he immediately said, well, within within the drives, you know, I did this wrong, this wrong, this wrong. I agree with you. I think that I thought that was the perfect answer because I was trying to set him up with just kind of a goofy question. And I thought he answered it just how you would want your quarterback to answer it. Right. Uh, yes. And I think the thing that I like about him just in hearing stuff like that, he's got the confidence that you want your quarterback to have, but he doesn't come across like a know-it-all or like he's cocky and has got it all figured out yeah. because he doesn't and he doesn't but if i'm in the huddle with him i feel like he knows what he's doing yeah of course if i'm in the huddle with him he's got problems but <laughs> yeah what position are you playing <laughs> not one defending mitch trubisky hopefully uh but so i think he he's got what you want physically and he's got what you want mentally that that makes you excited about the quarterback position yeah i agree he's got to stay healthy got to i agree i mean y- Yes, and I don't. I don't think that's a knock on Nathan Elliott. He's just a redshirt freshman who hasn't played very much, and Mitch Trubisky is is a redshirt junior. I mean that's that's all that means. And yeah, Mitch Trubisky's pretty good. Um, all right, now I'm gonna have to lean heavily on you for this. I'm here for you <laughs> because you, you know, during the game, obviously you and I are viewing football games differently because you are there mostly as a fan for football, and uh, and I am there doing the games. Um, Game day atmosphere in Keenan Stadium. This is always a hot-button topic. And there is it's never going to be perfect anywhere. It's always perfect somewhere else, according to that. And I don't mean that just for right. Carolina fans. I mean, everybody's fan. Um, what did you like in the stadium? What did you not like in the stadium? It's funny because before I realized this was going to be a big topic of conversation after the game, I was actually sitting at the game on Saturday thinking – it's amazing how much more work goes into the game experience now oh, than, gosh, than even, yeah. f- even five years ago and a huge amount more than 10 years ago. Oh, yeah, I mean, it is night and day from 10 years ago. Night and day. Money, personnel, mm-hmm. forethought, yep. planning, all that stuff. Equipment, I'm telling you, oh, it's yeah. unbelievable. It, it's totally different. Exponentially. And I think sometimes people have the wrong idea that it's like one guy sitting around like pushing a button on a CD player to play a song. And it might have been that way 10 years ago, <laughs> but it's not that way now. So uh, what I liked before I realized and everyone told me that I hated the LED boards because it seems like people have strong opinions. I liked them. I like them, too. And now I know there was there was angst that the line of scrimmage was not on the uh, on the on the little scoreboard part of it. That's since been fixed. I, and that was that was just a straight oversight. That's all that was. And I agree. I mean, I was looking for it, too, during the game, just because sometimes I want to double-check to make sure I'm close and, and not just, like, totally screwed up, because that happens. Um, but, so that's been fixed. But other than that, I liked them. I liked having the scores all the time of other games, because I think that's one of the big things you want to see at the game. Because yep. if you're at home, you're flipping around, watching other games. Yep. If you're at the game, because your cell reception may not be great, yep. you may not be able to get that information. And I liked having the stats rotating pretty much all the time. Mm-hmm. And they seemed to be more or less updated. So I thought that was good. I liked that. Um, <laughs> I liked the national anthem. Now, that was not new. I'm not sure why people seem so amazed by it. I had somebody ask me why Carolina let the band have a silent protest. Yeah. Within, guys and gals, no. That wasn't it. It was a plan. It was planned. Now, and I'm, I'm not saying that because I was in some meeting where it happened. 
I'm saying that because it's they the Carolina band's done that before. We, they've done it at least half a dozen times at the Smith Center. And I think it's actually kind of cool. I think it's very cool. And Mr. PA Man said over the PA, please join us in singing the national anthem. Yeah. So, you know, listening is fundamental. It, 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 I thought it was cool. It gives me chills every time when they do that, when people join in and sing, which they did on Saturday. Yeah, they did. And, and I, I can't remember. I feel like it's happened once or twice at a football game. But as you said, I know it's happened at a basketball game. Yes. Um, and I feel like it's happened once or twice maybe before in a football game. And it's harder in football. One thing right. I was thinking about when it was happening was, boy, everybody's, it's going to be hard to keep, everybody keep time with each other because that's hard to do. And I wonder if, too, and this is just my opinion, I think that would be cooler like for a really big game. I, I, think we yes. should, I don't think they should do that every time. I think they should do that every now and then because I yeah. do think it's a cool little change-up. Well, but it, it was not some kind of political statement at right. all. Well, and this will show that I'm 800 years old, but a long time ago in the Smith Center for big games like the Duke game or like Kentucky when Rick Pitino was the coach there, that's how long ago I'm talking about, they had a version of the National Anthem where one trumpet player would like step out of the band when they were on the baseline down there where uh -huh. the, by the tunnel where the team comes out, and that one trumpet player would come out and that person would play the National Anthem on the trumpet, uh -huh. and everybody would kind of join in. That was awesome. Yeah. So it, it's, it's kind of like that. Yeah. Um, now, something that didn't quite work so well was the entrance. Yeah, that didn't work. And now, this is, I have to admit again, I don't, I'm not paying attention to everything that happens all the time just because we're doing stuff. Um, but I could tell, even with my headsets on and, like, talking, that it, something wasn't going right. Um, and so, this, I have talked to the, the guys who, who put this together, and this is what happened, according to them, which I don't know why they, I mean, they're the ones who did it. A piece of equipment that had been tested multiple times before and has been <laughs> tested multiple times since. For some reason, it just didn't work. It didn't run the audio on the video. And so and you could take that as however you want to take it, but that's what happened. Um, I don't think it was a personnel. I don't think somebody screwed up, although sometimes people screw up. I think a piece of equipment just didn't work the way that it had been tested to work. And so then, and I'm going to tell you, doing stuff and, you know, just doing stuff with audio and video and radio and all that stuff before. And you've, I mean, and you've done it too. When you play something and it doesn't play or when it's not all, there is no worse feeling in the world. It's like all of a sudden you're in that nightmare where you're, you're dropped naked in front of the class or something. You know what I mean? I mean, it's like you got nowhere to go. And so I think if I understand what happened correctly from talking to the guys, uh, then they, it was a mad scramble, and they just played something. And I don't even know what it was, but I know people disliked it. <laughs> that, that I have been able to figure out. Well, and that's what made it so noticeable, was that what played was that song Blitzkrieg Bop. Uh -huh. You know that one I'm talking about? Not really. What's it sound like? It's, well, I don't want to do that. To <laughs> it. We would never get any podcast listeners, but it's by the Ramones, I think. And it's got that part about, hey, who? Oh, yeah. Let's go. Yeah, I know that song. Well, that's what played when the team ran out. So uh, it was obvious if you've been in Keenan Stadium right. in the last 20 years. Not what they wanted. That was not the plan. Yeah, not the plan. But uh, it, it amazes me. Well, I guess not really. Well, and I can say this before you say what you're going to say. I can, I can understand people getting upset about it. I do. I do understand it because yeah. they want it to be awesome. And right. they want it to be – and everybody else wants it to be awesome. Um, and clearly that, that was not the plan. So I think that's, that's the important thing to remember is that that was not the plan and that – it is a little frustrating. One that, of course, when you 
when you try to test stuff and get ready, and then it doesn't work. But then secondly, that then the default response is they don't get it or right. they, don't, they don't know what they're doing. That I do know just from talking and working with those people that that is a frustrating response to hear. Although the disappointment is understandable. Yes. Well, and it amazes me what a big deal the team entrance is in in the Carolina world and really the the football world. Oh yeah. Because you hear about the ones that are awesome. Yeah. And you and I are lucky that we've seen a lot of them that are really good. Virginia Tech's really good. They've got a great one. Clemson's awesome. They've got a great one. Short of building a hill. South Carolina's got a good one. I think theirs is okay, but I don't think it's as good as everybody else does. Right. But it, but certainly it's above average. Sure. But like once you name like five That's true. That still leaves hundred and thirty. Right. Most of them aren't spectacular. Right. So I think you need to come up with something that people can relate to and kind of get comfortable with, and then they start to believe it's good. And that's what's important because you're not going to – unless you build a hill or just do something like – like remember when Mick Mixon used to talk about oh, them yeah. like running up out of the ground yeah. or whatever it was? At the midfield. <laughs> yeah. They have a tunnel from <laughs> from the football center to midfield. So unless I think he still wants that to happen. We can get him on podcast. We can get him on one time. Figure it out. We've got podcast power now. We can do whatever. <laughs> unless you do something like that to crack into that top three to five that are unquestionably awesome. Yeah. It it just needs to be good for your people. Well, and I think too. Yes, to yes. I think you it you have to build. I I do think there are some traditions that Carolina has been able to build. I mean, in in mm-hmm. basketball, jump around is a Carolina tradition at this point even though it's about 10 years old but that's something people expect and they associate with care i think the fourth quarter Mm -hmm. hell's bell song is something that um should continue to say it's something that people look forward to and there it's it's kind of conditioned that it's going to happen um i think the bell sound is something that has it's been used enough people accept it enough they understand what it means um and it's just it's hard to find those things it is and you got to try a bunch of different stuff and then when you get one that gets a little traction, you got to stick with it. And sometimes you slip back, and so and that's it's not easy. But I will again. What happened on Saturday? Unless it goes catastrophically incorrect again, uh, which would be extraordinarily unfortunate, um, I, I doubt you're going. You're not going to see that again. Well, and let's mention two things that were good. One, painting the twenty-two yard line blue. I love it. You and I have been talking about that for close to 20 I, years. I think they did it last year, too, didn't they? Yeah. I think. I love it. Have the little hash mark, Carolina yes. Blue 22. And I heard people talking about it in the stands. For Charlie Justice, for people who don't know. For, right. Yeah, for Choo Choo. Well, and as we have always said, it the people who know what it is like it, and the people who don't know what it is ask. And yeah. I heard people asking in the stands, like, why is the 22-yard line blue? And I heard somebody say, oh, it's an honor of Charlie Justice. There you go. That's what stuff like that is supposed to do. And it's subtle. It's not, but it's, it's subtle, but it's noticeable. It gets, yes. Perfect. I love it. Home run. The other thing is there's a new video that plays on the video board towards the start of the game about the fan experience. Hmm. Uh, this I don't – I know – I'm going to go and take. I know nothing about this. It was good. Uh, and it wasn't anything more than words on the screen. It said when you come to a Carolina game, you should expect respectful treatment from the staff, respectful treatment from the fellow fans. You should respect the other team's fans. If you have any problems, do this. Look for this to help you. We want you to have a good time at a Carolina game. And, and as you said, I, I sit with my family at the games. And so my mom goes, I've been coming to games for 35 years, and nobody's ever told me to have a good time at the game. Yeah, so, some, something easy. Yeah, that, something as tiny as that. Yeah. It matters to people. 
So I thought that was a good move also. So all in all, a successful day. The entrance again, uh, there will be – that's going to be fixed. It'll be better for Pitt if I have to go like John Cusack with the boom box over my head, <laughs> blaring ACDC or whatever people want, and I'll stand at midfield and do it, and that'll, that'll be the entrance. 56-28, Carolina wins. All right, Pitt's coming up next. We'll talk about that some on our next podcast. Um, that's going to be a tough game. Um, before we go, I do want to talk a little bit of basketball because we did get one question, uh, Adam, that came in via text. Hold on. Let me find it. Or via <laughs> was text. It, was it really via, <laughs> via text? Via, excuse me, via Twitter. <laughs> one, of, one of these new fancy machines <laughs> gave it to me. I got a letter here. <laughs> Entrance video. Stop. Music was not good. Stop. <laughs> Iceberg sighted on entrance. <laughs> All right. This, uh, there was one uh, basketball question that we got. It was from Mike, and I don't know how to say your last name, Mike. I think it's Worrell. Worrell. That's probably what it is. Mike wanted to know uh, just about uh, the three incoming freshmen for basketball. And, you know, basketball's not that far away. No. I mean, they, they start full practice in, what, like two weeks? Two weeks. I think that's right. October 3rd. Um, you have talked to a lot of the players on the current team. Have, what have you learned from – Have they, what have they said, if anything, about, about the, the young guys? One thing I always like to ask all the returning guys is who among the freshmen has impressed you or who do you feel like is more advanced than you thought they might be? Mm -hmm. Because sometimes they'll tell you, and sometimes they won't. <laughs> so you ignore the ones who say, oh, I like all my fellow teammates, and they are all fantastic. You right. just ignore those guys. But the one who's been mentioned more than anybody is Tony Bradley. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, which is good news because Carolina could stand for Tony Bradley to be pretty good. Yeah, they need him to be good, I think. Uh, Nate Britt pointed him out. Justin Jackson pointed him out. And actually, a couple of the assistant coaches have kind of mentioned him in passing as, hey, this is a guy who seems like he gets it. And, I mean, for people who don't know, he's six foot ten from Florida. Yeah. Uh, runs pretty well, evidently. No, yeah, I mean, just from – from what Coach Williams said, and this is back from the spring when we were doing the Rams Club Tour stuff, he was really excited about all three of those guys. But, I mean, Tony Bradley, you could tell that he thought that he was going to be really good in his system, the, the way he likes to play. Um, he can really run, very fundamentally sound, big body, but athletic enough. I mean, an athletic player, even though he's large. Um, yeah, he sounds, he sounds like he's going to be pretty good. And so the other two are Brandon Robinson, who's kind of a wingish type shooting guard from yep. Georgia, six foot five, and Seventh Woods, a guard, um, who actually <laughs> one of those other newfangled communication methods. Hubert Davis has recently gotten into Instagram, hmm. and here lately he's been uh, Instagramming like highlights of the freshmen from their high school nice. years. So I like that because you know it gets me excited. Like sure. everybody does, you like hearing about the freshmen. Um, I thought one thing that was interesting was you know how it seems like any high school player who comes to Carolina with a reputation as a three-point shooter, when they get here, all of a sudden they can't shoot anymore? <laughs> you yes. know what I'm talking about. So I asked some of the current guys why that is, and especially the ones who can shoot now. Sure. And every single one of them, at least three, independently of each other, said, you know what, a big part of it is there's so many more people there than what you're used to. Hmm. Which really surprised me, because you think of them as being totally oblivious to right. the stage that they're on, but they're not. And and Justin Jackson said, you get out there in front of all these people, and you just get in a big hurry. And the yeah. first thing that affects is your shot. That makes sense. And so, 
I thought that was a good point. And I was talking to Kenny Williamson, who obviously is not a freshman anymore, but he was last year. And he's been working a lot with Hubert Davis, which if you're going to work with your shot on somebody, that's probably the guy. Yeah. And Kenny Williams said, you know, Coach Davis told me he didn't even make a three-pointer when he was a freshman, which I haven't looked up, but I bet that's pretty close to yeah, right because Hubert Davis right. didn't play very much. Yeah, no. And, and Kenny Williams said, you know, I thought it was just me. And then here's this Hubert Davis who went on to become one of the best three-point shooters in NBA history telling me that – he went through some of these same things. Yep. So I think that's that's where having a guy like Hubert Davis on your staff is valuable. Also, You're, I think Kenny Williams is going to be good. You were talking about 7th uh, Woods and, and Instagram and high school highlights. 7th Woods has a nasty high school film. Yeah. I mean, it's it's nasty. He's throwing down on dudes. Also, he dunked on that frat guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was not as impressive. No, not as impressive. <laughs> I, I don't I don't get that. See, that's where I'm old. Like, I don't, a, yeah, the goal is like eight feet tall, right? Yeah. Well, and I asked Joel Barry about it. But I'm like using my walker to get out there. And say, <laughs> what are your kids doing out there? Well, and for what for people who don't know, there was this video that went somewhat sort of viral. of Mini viral. Seventh Woods at what appeared to be like a party of some sort. And they had a basketball goal that people believed to be 10 feet, but clearly wasn't. Yeah. Because like seven, Seventh Woods' head was even with the net. <laughs> and he's not nine feet tall. Right. And so then Seventh Woods proceeded to do a windmill dunk on this guy who looked like me. Right. Which, I mean, come on. And I mean, you're an impressive physical specimen. Yeah. But it's not like you're, you're, you're not ACC level right now. Not, still I, the offseason. You still got time to get in shape. I haven't gone through conditioning. <laughs> and so Joel Berry took the video of this dunk and then sent it out on his various Snapchat and Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and, you know, all those things. Facebook. And so I asked Joel Berry, I was like, what happened in that video? And he goes, oh. I said, did you know that guy? He said, no, we've never met that guy before. He said, but he really wanted seventh to dunk on him. I think that's a thing that happens now yeah. is people, like, just run into the players like, hey, can you dunk on me? Kids today. <laughs> uh, well, how do you think we did? It was our first podcast. Uh, I, it's probably one of the best three or four podcasts that I've ever listened to. And I've listened to at least two or three. That's high praise right there. Yeah. All right. So this. So remember, we're gonna be here a lot. You're, yeah. you're probably you're gonna get tired of hearing us probably, yeah. or or just welcome us into your homes. One of the two. You should subscribe. Oh yeah, you gotta subscribe. Yeah, we're all over the place. Uh, it is. It's on iTunes. Uh, should be in the Google Play Store, I believe as well. Um, so all the traditional ways that you subscribe to podcasts, uh, I think we're there. And so uh, you can't get it thrown in your driveway. No, yeah, it's not going to come. Not like that. With salacious headlines on uh, in the morning. Um, not yet. That could be a podcast in and of itself. Um, so we're back on Friday. Um, we have a great guest coming on Friday. I'm not going to tell you it is. We'll let you know uh, when when it's coming uh, later this week. But we'll preview the pit game, and we've got a really cool guest uh, that we're looking forward to talking with, and uh, we should have a lot of fun. But Adam, one down. Yeah, that was easy. People should tweet questions to Oh, us. yeah, yeah. Feel free. Uh, I'm at Jones Angel, Angel with two L's. Adam is at J Adam Lucas, right? Yes. So uh, tweet either one of us, tweet us both, whatever. If there's something you want to hear us talk about, if there's a certain topic, if there's some kind of interview that you may be interested in, um, we're certainly open to it. We're going to be with you with this twice a week through the basketball season. Um, Adam and I, the goal is for us to be here, both of us, every single time. It may With basketball season, it may get a little hairy, um, but that's the goal. Um, so we'll see how we do. But uh, any suggestions that you like, we're, we're certainly open to hear them. But, Adam, enjoyed it. 
and uh, we'll we'll talk to everybody later this week. I can't wait to do this from the beach in Maui. <laughs> That's uh, well, Adam will keep his shirt on, but we'll still do the podcast from the beach in Maui, or will he? <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll see you later this week. Thanks for joining us on the Carolina Insider. This has been the Carolina Insider. The preceding has been a Learfield presentation. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack and the shoulder like a passing lane. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates North Park, Illinois.